If you have your Bibles, that is great. I mean, we love that. If you don't have your Bibles, the scripture is going to be up there on the screen, or your neighbor probably has a Bible, and they don't mind you looking over their, their shoulder, and you can look at theirs. Um, but, but where we're going to be, we're going to find ourselves in 1 Kings uh, 11, if you want to, to look at that. Or, um, I want to go ahead and pull that up before we jump into it. So, man, this is, if you can believe it, uh, Chi Alpha's 10th year at the University of Memphis. Uh, this is year number 10, so the, uh, we have one more, one more week. Week after next is homecoming week, right? And we'll, we'll celebrate alumni uh, there Wednesday after next, bringing back alumni from the last 10 years. But 10 years, 10 years of ministry uh, at the University of Memphis. Uh, Jack and I moved here uh, with the kiddos in 2013. Thomas was in kindergarten then, and, and he's a junior in high school now. So it went by just like that, right? Just super, super quick. Um, but yeah, 10 years at the University of Memphis, um, about 16 years for Jackie and I, all total, uh, uh, being full-time uh, missionaries with Chi Alpha, working with uh, university students full-time. Um, but this is not the only job that I have had, right? I, I love Chi Alpha. I love working with university students. I love, man, sitting across the table uh, from, from guys and, and unpacking and what it means to live for Jesus and talking about the tough stuff of life and helping people to grow in the Lord. I love answering tough questions. People may text me, Matt, when I was reading the Bible, I came across this, and what do I make of this? And I love and digging deep into the theology and answering those tough Bible questions. I love my job, right? It's a good job. Uh, but this is not the only job that I've had, man. I've had lots of jobs. Uh, in college, I was a janitor in the UC, right? So when the UC closed at night, I go in there and sweep and mop the floors and wipe down the counters and take out the trash, uh, vacuum the carpets, right? I was, I was a janitor for a minute. I uh, worked at the library, right? Organizing uh, the books, the card catalog. Update, you guys want to know what a card catalog is. Updating that and turning it into like a digitized computerized system so you could type in the computer what book you wanted and it told you where to find it. Um, worst job. As far as grossest job I've ever had, I worked for a guy, uh, he had a mold removal company, so if your house had mold and mildew, uh, he'd help remove it. So this job had me, crawl, you know what a crawl space is under a house? It's like, got this much room, had me crawling on my belly in the mud under houses, pulling out uh, moldy insulation, wet moldy insulation, and pulling out covered in, in spiders and cobwebs. it was gross, and mud and mold, and that was a nasty job. I did not work there for very, very long. Um, Worked at TCBY, ice cream, right? Where I serve an ice cream, that, that was a pleasant one. Worked as a radio station DJ and advertising uh, producer for a bit, if you guys can picture that. Worked a lot of jobs. And so you guys too have, have probably worked some jobs in your time. And one of the things that can make or break a job experience is your boss, is your supervisor. A good supervisor, a good boss can make a hard job livable, survival. Like, okay, man, I got a good boss. I like my coworkers. The job itself, I mean, it's work, right? Nobody likes work. <laughs> but, but if I can survive, if I got a good boss, knows he cares about me, she cares about me, they care about me, uh, they're looking out for me. Uh, inversely, a, okay. A bad boss, a bad boss uh, can make a good job miserable. Right? That you could have a job that, man, this, it's a fine job and it pays well. This could be a good experience. But your boss or your supervisor is so difficult to get along with, so frustrating, annoying, they're harsher than they need to be. It makes it a miserable experience. Like, I like everything about this job except for, except for my boss. He makes me miserable. Like, well, why is he always on me like this? Why is he always so negative? Why is he always so critical? Uh, I don't want to be a boss like that. Kimber and Natalie can tell you if, if I am or not. But, but uh, yeah, the, the, a boss can ruin a work experience, right? You can have a supervisor. It's just like, man, the, boss is, the, the, the job is okay. The boss ain't it. And, and this, is, this is ruining 
it for me. I know recently we saw we saw uh, Chloe's sister Shelby last weekend, and, and, and Shelby's just started, she graduated last year, just started working a job in teaching. She, she's teaching math, but she's in the unusual situation of the principal, the boss that hired her, that she was so excited to work for, he's gone, right? He left. And right, so now she's got a new principal to work for, and initially that was tough. It was like, I was not trying to work for you, right? I don't get along as well with you, and this is kind of a, this is a tough experience. I think it is better now. We saw her last week, and she said, she just, it's gotten better. But initially, that was really difficult, right? Because I mean, I'd signed up to work for this one person, and then you switched it on me. And so, you guys have maybe experienced, man, having a, uh, a boss, a supervisor, someone you're working for that is, is just difficult, and that makes it hard, or there's a change in leadership, right? You, you got one manager, and right, they, they quit, they move on, they get promoted, you got a new manager now, and all of a sudden, man, this situation's no good, this is untenable, I can't keep working for this guy. Uh, or man, maybe you've had the opposite. Maybe you had a terrible boss, and they get replaced with a better boss, like, okay, man, this is what it's supposed to be like, man, this feels a lot better. Uh, some of you guys someday will be bosses and managers and CEOs, and go ahead and decide now, Chloe says no, go ahead and decide now that you are gonna be the kind of boss that makes the situation better for the people that work for you, right? Uh, that, that you're gonna be encouraging and kind and not harsh and not cruel. Uh, be, be the kind of boss you wanna see in the world. Um, so that's kinda, that kinda sets the stage for where we're gonna be uh, here in 1 Kings 11, where we had a leadership change, uh, and it is not a positive one. Um, and I think looking at the text here, it's going to teach us something about God's heart towards us, right? I mean, something about how God treats us, how God's heart is towards us, how, man, sometimes we can see uh, in contrast through human leaders uh, can teach us something about God, right? Sometimes, sometimes the Bible will tell us just straight up, and this, this is what God is like. Uh, and, and we can say, okay, well, well, God is love, and God is this, and God is that. And then sometimes it, it's through the narrative of these stories that we, we have a contrast of like, man, I'm so glad God is not like this person, right? And so that's, that's what's going to be a little bit like uh, here in 1 Kings 11. We're going to pick up at the very end of chapter 11, just the last couple verses of chapter 11, and then move on to chapter 12. What's going on in here in 1 Kings um, is this is, uh, this is ancient Israel, right? And this is about... A hundred years into the monarchy of ancient Israel. So uh, Israel, Israel there in Canaan says, hey, we want a king. And the, the first king that gets promoted to be king over Israel, his name is Saul. Saul. That's right. Saul is a tall guy. He starts okay. He does not finish well. Um, and and he, he, loses, he loses the kingdom. The next king of Israel is his son-in-law named David, that's right, and, and the people loved David, they were about David, uh, and, and they were really excited to have David as king, and, and David, of course, man after God's own heart, David wrote many of the Psalms you have in your Bible, uh, loved Jesus, not perfect, not perfect by any stretch, um, but really loved the Lord, and the people loved having him as king. David had many sons, but in particular, his son Solomon became king after his death, Solomon one of the wisest men that ever lived. At the time that he lived, he was the wisest man who ever lived. He wrote much of your book of Proverbs. He wrote Song of Solomon. He wrote Ecclesiastes, right? So really wise. Um, a lot we can learn from Solomon. Uh, but Solomon, man, he, he also made a lot of really big leadership mistakes, namely uh, bringing idol worship into Israel, right? Bringing in the, the, the altars for neighboring gods, uh, I mean, as he would marry uh, women uh, in political alliances uh, with other countries, he would bring in those, those gods and those idols. And so idolatry during Solomon's reign became a, a really, really bad issue 
there in Israel. So much so, and God pronounced judgment upon Israel. It says, man, after Solomon's reign, there's going to be judgment because of this idolatry. You guys are worshiping other gods, and it's not okay. And so we're going to pick up at the end of Solomon's life as one of Solomon's sons is going to take the throne. We have this shift in leadership. Um, again, Solomon was not perfect, but he was a pretty good king, right? And, and we're going to have a change in leadership. Solomon's son, Rehoboam, is he going to be a good king? Is he going to be a bad king? And this is what we're holding in tension here. Uh, when, uh, where, where we pick up here, 1 Kings 11, starting in verse 42. 1 Kings 11, starting in verse 42. Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all Israel for 40 years. When he rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David, his father, and Rehoboam, his son, succeeded him as king. Solomon dies. Rehoboam, his son, is going to be the next king. So top of chapter 12, 12 verse 1. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all the Israelites had gone there to make him king. So it's this big convention. The whole nation's gathering together. Uh, it's his coronation. We're going to make you the new king of Israel. When Jeroboam, son of Nebat, heard this, he was still in Egypt where he had fled from King Solomon. He returned from Egypt. So this guy Jeroboam, chapter before, had led a rebellion uh, against Solomon, right? He was trying to rise to power and then he lost and had to, he was exiled there to Egypt. But he says, hey, a change in leadership is happening. I want to be there for this. And so he comes back from Egypt. Verse 3. So they sent for Jeroboam, and he and the whole assembly of Israel went to Rehoboam and asked, said to him, verse 4, Your father, that's Solomon, put a heavy yoke on us. Now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. So they come to Rehoboam and say, Hey, we like your dad, Solomon, but he, he was hard to work for. He put a heavy yoke on us. That concept of a yoke um, in farming kind of terminology there, you put on an animal, a beast of burden for them to pull a plow. So you've probably seen like the big wooden bar over like an ox or um, and some kind of pulling type animal uh, as they're tilling up a field. And so throughout the Bible, this yoke is, is an imagery of the, the burdens and weights uh, that are put upon us. Um, and, and especially us submitting to, to authority. And so if we're, we're under a leader that's harsh, that yoke is heavy and it's painful and it's uncomfortable. And he says, your father Solomon, uh, he put a heavy yoke on us. He was harsh uh, and, and difficult to work for. Um, they mentioned harsh labor. So during Solomon's reign, we know there was a lot of building projects. As he's expanding uh, the kingdom, there's a lot of construction happening. So if you're an Israelite during that time, it might have been tough. Right? Like, the kingdom is prosperous. Man, Solomon was incredibly wealthy. You had other kingdoms bringing all kinds of tribute and gold and jewels and lumber. Uh, the kingdom's doing well, but with all these building projects, it's hard work. So if you're the average Israelite, like, it's actually kind of hard, though. It, it's difficult. Um, it, it's uncomfortable. And, and, and they're telling Rehoboam here, we want to serve you faithfully like we served your father Solomon, like we served your granddad David. We want to serve you faithfully, but can you lighten this heavy yoke? Right? It's been hard. It's been a hard several years working for your dad. Would you lighten the yoke? And then if you do, we want to serve you faithfully. We want to serve you. Would you lighten the yoke? This is the request. Verse 5, Rehoboam answered, Go away for three days and then come back to me. So the people went away. He says, I need to think about it. Right? He said, okay, let, let me think about this. Let me think the best way to answer you. Uh, I don't want to fumble here. This is my first kind of thing as king. <laughs> I want to make sure I answer well. Verse 6 says, Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. So he starts off good. He seeks wise counsel. 
says, okay, get my dad's counselors around. Uh, I, I want to ask them, man, what do y'all think I should do? You guys ever have a major decision you need to make and you've got some wise counselors uh, in your life that you can call on and say, hey, what's your advice? How, how should I handle this? How should I answer? And, and so he starts well. He gets his dad's uh, uh um, advisors around and he asked them um, these are the guys that served his father Solomon during his lifetime how would you advise me to answer these people he asked remember the people had said would you lighten our load uh, would you would you lighten the yoke that's upon us would you make things easier for us and they replied verse 7 if today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer they will always be your servants they said Rehoboam if you're willing to humble yourself and say, yes, you know, I want to make things better. I hear your struggle. Uh, man, I want to meet you where you're at. I want to lighten that load. Uh, you know, I, I want to make conditions more livable for my people. I want to be a good leader, a servant leader, right, that puts the needs of my people first. He says, if you, if you answer the people with that kind of humility, they're going to be loyal to you forever. Now, you're going to have them. They're going to you know, serve you, follow you anywhere. If you can be that kind of leader, that servant leader with humility, uh, these people are going to serve you forever. This is the wise counsel of the advisors. And man, he should have taken it. Right? That's good advice, right? Be a humble servant leader. Man, he should have taken it. But he, he didn't like what they had to say. Verse 8, But Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted with the young men whom he'd grown up with uh, and who were serving him. He said, Nah, nah I don't want to hear all that. Uh, he, went, he went with the guys he grew up with, right? The homies he hung out with, like, growing up, like the guys he kicked it with. He said, what do y'all think I should do, right? His peers, right? What do y'all think I should do? Uh, I, I don't know about that advice. I, I, it, it's hit me wrong. What do you guys think I should do? And so he asked the, the knuckleheads that he grew up with about their uh, advice for the situation. Um, and this is verse... Uh, Nine. He asked them, what is your advice? How should I answer the people who say to me, lighten the yoke that your father put on us? Uh, the young men who had grown up with him replied, tell these people who said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Tell them, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke. I'll make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I'll scourge you with scorpions. Right. What does that mean? My, my, you know, my, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. What's he saying? What's he saying there? Oh, you thought my dad was bad. Yeah, you thought my dad was bad. You thought he was tough. Man, he, he's going to look like my little pinky compared to me. Like, like I, I'm somebody. I'm, you, got, you need to throw your weight around, Rehoboam. You need to show these people who they're messing with, right? They're coming with you with this request. Now, you need to say, oh, no, I'm tough. I'm somebody, right? And, and sometimes we'll get that kind of advice. You need to stand up for yourself. You need to show them who you are, who they're messing with, right? You need to get them back. You need to do this. He's, he scourged you with whips. I'm going to scourge you with scorpions. Like, I, I'm really tough. You thought he was tough. No, I'm, I'm really nasty. I'm really tough. This is the advice of his peers, of his friends. And this is the advice that he likes. Uh, and he's like, yeah, I like that. That makes, that's, that makes me sound really tough. I'm going to be the big guy. I'm going to be the big dog. I'm going to be somebody. Uh, and, and he likes that advice. Uh, three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to Rehoboam. As the king had said, come back to me in three days. The king answered the people harshly, rejecting the advice given to him by the elders. He followed the advice of the young men and said verbatim, my father made your yoke heavy. I will make it even heavier. 
My father scourged you with whips. I'll scourge you with scorpions. How important is it for us to get good advice? Right? How important is the people we go to for, for advice and guidance and direction? Right? That, that there's people that will give you, for the exact same situation, opposite directions to go in. And both those directions are not equally good and equally valid. It matters who we have in our ears that can speak into our life. Uh, the people that we give permission to, to, to speak to the decisions we make. and You guys have tough decisions to make as well. Now, you're probably not inheriting a kingdom uh, or a nation that you're going to have to be sole monarch of anytime soon. Um, but that doesn't mean the decisions you make aren't important. They don't affect other people's lives. They don't affect the trajectory of your own life and someday your family and your future. Uh, and in these important decisions, man, you need wise counsel. Of course, we want to be led by the Holy Spirit. We want to know what God has to say about it. But also, God has placed wise people in your life. The tricky thing is, there's also people in your life that are going to tell you what you want to hear. They're going to tell you... Um, and, and kind of the echo chamber of the world and the culture and the toxic, ugly things about the culture, they're going to tell you that, and that's going to kind of sound good to part of you. That's going to sound good to your flesh. That's going to sound good to your ego. And your, uh, yeah, that sounds easier, more comfortable. God's way, man, is often it's more difficult. It's harder. It's worth it, but it's not easy, right? And so there's going to be people cautioning, telling you, oh, I need to go this easy route and take this shortcut. You need to be like this. It is so important. And the people we listen to, the people we allow to speak into our life, the people we allow to give us uh, advice. So, so Rehoboam here, man, he, he rejected the wise counsel. He took the counsel of uh, the people his age. Man, he threw his weight around. He said, I'm tough. Uh, I'm somebody. How do you think this goes for him? It doesn't go well for him. Uh, we can continue. This is, uh, we left off verse 15. So the king did not listen to the people, for this turn of events was from the Lord to fulfill the word the Lord had spoken uh, to Jeroboam, son of Nebat, through Ahijah the Shilohite. Uh, remember I said that there was a judgment pronounced upon the kingdom because of their idolatry. Solomon had brought all these idols and foreign gods into the land and built altars and people were worshiping other gods. And he said, all of this was part of God's plan, right? This, was, this, this, uh, this kind of toxic turn here was part of God's judgment against the people for their idolatry. So verse 16, when all of Israel saw that the king refused to listen to him, they answered the king, what share do we have in David? And what part do we have in Jesse's son? To your tents, O Israel. They said, everybody go home. What, what? We're not going to follow this fool. Everybody go home. Look after your own house, O David. So the Israelites went home. But as for the Israelites who were living in the towns of Judah, Rehoboam still ruled over them. So something really tragic happens here. The kingdom splinters in two. Right, you have this unified kingdom of Israel under Saul and under David and under Solomon. And then about 100 years into this united monarchy, uh, the nation splits in two because of Rehoboam's harsh answer. So you've got the ten tribes to the north say, no, we don't have anything to do with this guy. Now he, he's rude, he's ugly, man, he's... We, we don't want to serve him. We don't want him to be our king. And they splinter off and form their own kingdom, the northern kingdom, still colloquially called Israel. And then you've got a second kingdom to the south uh, around Jerusalem with the two tribes there called Judah. And so for the rest of the history of Israel, it's a divided kingdom, Israel to the north, Judah to the south, two kings, two kingdoms that, again, are still related, but they're split. And I have to imagine, man, this... Uh, this was a judgment from God, but it also breaks the heart of God. Right? God's grieving. Um, instead of this unified nation that was supposed to exist to bring God glory and be a light to the nations, that all people could see the glory of God as he blessed Israel and all people could come to know God and worship 
the Lord. Instead, it's a kingdom that's divided and splintered and fractured, can't even get along with itself. Uh, and, and the monarchy, again, doesn't even last 100 years before it's splintered. Um, and things get worse. So there in Jerusalem, where Rehoboam becomes king uh, over, over this much smaller nation of, of Judah, five years after this, Egypt invades, ransacks Jerusalem, and takes all their, their best wealth away with them, uh, and, and Judah is devastated. Right? Things go really, really bad uh, for Rehoboam. Um, and, and, and this story is in our Bible for a reason, so that we can learn from it. So part of it is, and the, the, the advice uh, that we look for from others, right? Making sure that we're seeking wise counsel. Uh, another big part of it is, is to teach us about the character of God. I mean, there's something critical we learn about the character of God in this story. And so to, to, to think about the beginning of it, you know, at this coronation ceremony, when the, when the nation comes to Rehoboam and they say, uh, and we want to serve you. We want to serve you. We're excited about you being king. We really loved your, your granddad. We thought your dad was okay. We want to serve you. But things have been hard. Can you lighten our load? Um, so I mean, there, there, there's going to be times in, in your life where, where you're kind of feeling the same way. God, I love you. God, you're good. God, I want to serve you. This is too heavy. This is too hard. God, I want to keep serving you, but would you make it a little easier? Would you lighten the load and the burden? Uh, it's it too heavy. Uh, God, you're good. I know you're good, and, and, and I want to keep following you, um, but it's become difficult to follow you because of, of this burden or that burden or this life circumstance, and it's just hard. It's just hard. And so we come to God, and maybe your prayers sound like that, like, God, I want to be faithful. Uh, I, I want to keep serving you, but serving you is hard. And part of me just wants to kind of set the yoke down for, for a couple days, a couple weeks, a couple months, right? And do, do my own thing for a bit. God, I want to serve you, but could you lighten this load? Could you make this easier, right? And part of us fears that God's response is going to be cruel and harsh, like Rehoboam. So you think this is hard? You better toughen up and make it even harder talking to me like that. And, and, and we think because we've got people in our life that are harsh and cruel, Part of this, even though we know God's good, and we know God's loving, and we know all these things about the Lord, we think, is He going to be harsh with us, right? Is He going to be like, no, you need to toughen up. I'm going to make it even harder. And, and so, what we learn about the character of God, I'm going to just go and skip, skip, skip to the, the, the good news at the end. No, God is not like that with us. God is gentle with us, and He is kind towards us. Um, but, but we have this scene here where the people are saying, hey, this is really hard. We want to serve you faithfully. And you guys may be at a critical point in your walk with Jesus where you say, Jesus, I want to serve you, and I want to be faithful to you. Um, but, but something's got to shift here. Uh, and, and knowing what God's heart is towards us is critical because that's going to build our faith to know that we can trust God, we can trust His character, trust His gentleness. So Rehoboam uh, has a tough uh, answer here. Uh, but if we fast forward 900 years, fast forward 900 years to another descendant of David, descendant of Solomon, great, 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 great grandson uh, of Solomon, 900 years later is born uh, this woman named Mary uh, in a town called Bethlehem, right? Great, great, great grandson of, of David and Solomon here. Uh, and he answers differently. This is going to be Matthew uh, chapter 11. Verse 28. So we're talking about yokes. The yoke uh, that Solomon put on us was so heavy. Uh, we want to serve you faithfully, but, it, but it's too heavy. It's a heavy yoke. Would you make it easier for us? Uh, this is what Jesus says in Matthew 11. We're going to start in verse 28. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
take my yoke, there's that word again, upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Rehoboam said, no, I'm a tough guy. Right? My, 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 my little finger's thicker than my dad's waist. I'm going to whip you with scorpions. I'm, I'm somebody. Jesus says, my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. And my heart toward you is I want to give you rest. I'm gentle. I'm humble. Uh, this is God's character towards us. Right? And so when we're in that situation where it's like, man, this is tough. Uh, you know, th- this is too much for me. No, that we, we, we've got a God who responds to us with gentleness and kindness. Right? He says, yeah, take, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. Uh, that does not mean follow. Jesus is easy all the time. But there's, there's burdens that we carry that God never intended for us to carry. He says, man, I want you to lay that down. There's stuff that you've got on your shoulders uh, that, that you're not supposed to even be carrying. Go ahead and set that down. Take my yoke upon you, which is easy, which is gentle. Um, and so, no, following Jesus all the time is not, is not easy. But, man, there is a burden lifted when you start doing things Jesus' way. When you start following his commands and implementing his teachings into your life, right? He compares it to um, implementing his teachings in your life as like building your house uh, on, on the rock, on a firm foundation. And so there's still going to be storms and windy days and harsh circumstances, but they're not going to totally obliterate the house because you built on that firm foundation. Whereas not following Jesus, you've got the same storms, you've got the same difficult life, you still live in the same stinking world that's corrupted by sin and fallen, and so there's uh, and heart, heartache and, and disease and problems uh, and all these kind of things. you still got to go through it, but you don't have that firm foundation to build on. So every little thing that hits you, man, you, you're, you're shot, you're crumbled, you're defeated, you're beaten, uh, and it's hopeless. And so, so Jesus says, man, I want you to take my yoke upon you, and it's going to be easy. It's going to be uh, gentle. Again, life is not going to be easy, but the burden from Jesus is. You guys see the difference? And the way he responds to us uh, is gentleness and kindness. So again, uh, the difficult circumstance we find ourselves in, he may not immediately pluck you out of that circumstance and drop you onto the paradise island right, where you can kick it and drink out of a coconut or something. Right? You may still have to go through that difficult circumstance, but you go through it with him and with his peace and with his gentle hand on your shoulder. You don't go through it alone. right? You have his nearness, you have his presence, and you have his hope uh, to, to see you through the circumstances. Uh, and you can trust that what Jesus says to you about the heart of God is true. And so when we come to God in prayer and say, God, I need help in this situation. It's too heavy for me. It's too much for me. Uh, we, can know, we can know that God's heart for us is not to make it harder or more difficult. Or that he's not going to be cruel to us and say, man, man you better toughen up because I'm going to make it even harder. Man, no, that's not God's heart. And God's heart to us is, is he, he, he's a good father who knows how to take good care of his children. He wants to help us. He wants to meet us in that, right? He wants to strengthen us and, and see us through. And a lot of times he will man, deliver us uh, from, from those situations. It may not look exactly how we want it to look. And the timing may not be what we want the timing to be. But God is faithful. And God is faithful to provide. God's faithful to deliver. God's faithful to encourage. Uh, and we can trust God uh, to be faithful to his character. Um, when we think about leaders, public bosses and managers and leaders, and again, some of you guys are going to be in leadership positions uh, in the years and decades to come, and God may promote you to positions of, of real influence and leadership and authority. Think about the kind of leader that you want to be, right? What kind of leader do you want to be? Are you going to be a Rehoboam kind of leader? Which, again, it's hard for me to picture anybody in this room talking about whipping people with scorpions. You guys are, you guys are the, the sweetest group of students. But, but and the, when God puts you in a position of leadership, 
you have an opportunity to reflect his heart, right? And you want to make sure that the people that are interacting with you, uh, the people that you serve and that you lead, uh, in their interactions with you are getting glimpses of the heart of Jesus. They're getting glimpses of the heart of the Father in your gentleness, in your kindness, in your humility. Uh, they're able to learn something about God. So they may not even be serving the Lord, but their interactions with you are so positive that when you do start to talk about Jesus or you share the gospel with them, they're curious. Like, okay, uh, maybe I want to listen to what Bryce has to say, right? Because I mean, he's always been good to me. He's always been gentle to me. He's always been kind and fair with me. Um, and, 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 and this is an opportunity for Jesus to be glorified, again, wherever he places you. Again, you may not be... CEO of a major corporation, or you may not be anything the world would describe as leadership, but God's giving you influence wherever you're at, and in your dorm room, and on your hallway, in your family, in your friend circle, uh, in the in the biology study group, I and mean, wherever you wherever you find yourself, God is giving you influence. And we want to make sure that we lead in such a way that we reflect the character of Jesus. Right? There be a gentleness about us, a humility about us, a kindness about us that makes uh, the gospel attractive. Uh, to people that are far from God, right? So when we share the hope we found in Jesus, it's like a light bulb moment. That's why you are the way that you are. Okay, I get it now. I get it now. Because um, this life is, is tough, and it can be cruel, and it can make us hard and tough, and it can make people that would otherwise be, be, be soft and gentle, and they just go through life circumstances that kind of harden their hearts, and they just become bitter uh, and, and toxic, and it's just the stuff that they've gone through. I mean, when they see that difference in you, it's like, okay, I don't have to be this way, right? right? And God can change my character uh, as well. Um, so we want to think about, uh, man, when we become leaders someday, we want to be the kind of leaders uh, that are going to reflect God's heart. And we also man, really want to learn uh, about God's character from this passage, uh, that God's a good God and he wants to give you rest. Right? Jesus says, uh, come to me, who? Come to me, some of you. Come to me all, that's right, all, everybody, who's weary and burdened. That's all of us, right? right? All of us are weary and burdened. He says, come to me and I might give you rest. I might, if I feel like it. Come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. It's a promise, right? Sounds like a promise to me. It's a promise from a gentleman who keeps his word. I will give you rest. Take your yoke upon me. Learn from me. I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. And you're going to find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, man, I want us to reflect on that. Again, we in this room man, probably find ourselves in a variety of different circumstances and situations. Um, and I want to reflect on, okay, what's that area of life where I'm like, God, I'm trying to serve you faithfully, but if I'm going to be real, this is a big obstacle to that. Uh, and I, I need something to shift in this situation. And, and God, maybe it's tough for me to really trust your character uh, in this situation, in this moment. And I want us to respond to that in prayer and be real with God about that because he can handle it. He's big enough. Right? You're not going to scare God with your doubts or your questions. He is big enough for those. And say, God, I want to serve you faithfully. Man. I want to serve you forever. Uh, this is difficult and, and I need help with this. Um, and bring that to him and trust that he's going to respond like Jesus because he is Jesus and not respond like Ray Boehm as being a punk, right? That God wants to give you rest for your souls. Uh, and, and it may just be feeling like in a, in a bit of a marathon season, just going, 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 and, and, and God, I just need, I need rest. Remember that we're not, there's still a lot of semester left. There's still a lot of papers and projects 
left till you get the rest over Christmas break. Uh, but God can give you rest for your soul right now, right this moment, on a Saturday in October. He can give you a, a deep spiritual rest, a soul rest that's going to sustain you through. Um, and some of you guys just need that from God. God, God I, need, I need that soul rest. I need you to just wrap me up in your peace, in your gentleness. I need that warm hug from the Father. Let's you know everything's going to be okay. Uh, that's going to see me through this next season. God, that's what I need from you. And we can trust him for that. Um, Joel, do you want to come back and, and play as we, as we respond in prayer? Um, and, then, and then we're also going to, there's going to be some discussion questions for us to talk and unpack some of these things uh, together here, here in a moment. Um, it's important for us to, to seek out wise counsel. It's important for us to respond kindly and gently right when someone's got a request for us because we reflect the heart of God and how we respond to others. It's important for us for, for us to lead well and lead in a way that reflects God's heart. Um, and it's important for us to, to, to really have a right uh, understanding of God's character and, and understand that I mean, just life circumstances can sometimes warp uh, our picture of God and of his character. Um, and there's times that we need to come up against the truth of God's word and say, okay, I know what I've experienced um, you in the past to be, right? I know who your word says that you are. And even though in this particular moment it, it, it's tough, I, I trust you're going to be faithful to your character. Um, and God, would you, would you solidify uh, my picture of who you are? I'm bringing in, in, in alignment with reality so I can really trust you and follow you. Well, Father, God, I pray that you would work in each of our hearts. God, we love you. God, we love you. God, thank you that you are kind and gentle towards us, God. God, that you are never cruel. You're never harsh. God, you're gentle and you're humble. And you're a good father who knows how to take good care of his children. And that means we can bring anything and everything to you. Uh, that there's nothing too big and nothing even too small. That if it matters to us, it matters to you because you love us. So whatever it is, man, that, that, that's been weighing on your heart. I don't want to bother God with this. No, he cares. He loves you. He cares. Or this thing that's like, this is a real obstacle. I want to serve you, Lord, but I can't figure a way around this. He cares. God, we bring these things to you. We trust you, Jesus. God, you're good. Your mercy and yours forever. We trust the revelation of your character in the person of Jesus Christ who's humble, who's gentle. He said, come to me when you're weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest for your souls. God, would you give us soul rest? Would you give us peace? Would you guard our hearts and our minds with your peace in Christ Jesus? Your peace that passes understanding. God, we need it. We need your refreshing. We need your renewal.
Jesus, save me. Trust that you're going to grab hold of our arm. You're going to pull us up into the boat. 